Welcome to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Sakari. Good morning. My name is Frank Sakari, and you are listening to Life Altering Events. Today, we're having our second international broadcast. I'm in San Diego, and my guest is in Germany. This is the second time we've done an international show. Now, thanks to your support, Life Altering Event is now heard by over 160,000 listeners, and we just added our 25th country. So I appreciate your loyalty. Please keep listening. And tell all your friends. Now, today's show is brought to you by the Tag Team. The Tag Team is a collaboration with the Abraham Group, headed by Jay Abraham, the best marketing mind in the world, and he's increased the bottom lines of over 10,000 clients by over $21 billion, and my company, Life Altering Events, and we're experts in business organizational development, as well as financing and scaling organizations. The tag team members, we've all reached a point in our life where we want to see the next generation of businesses thrive. This is an elite and exclusive program for entrepreneurs who are looking to make a major impact. Remember this, great achievements come from great adversity. If you think you can make a difference, go to my website, franksakari.com, look for the application and additional details. Ladies and gentlemen, at some point, we're going to encounter a life-altering event that gives us an opportunity to dramatically change the trajectory of our lives. The question is, what will we choose when this event occurs? Many people choose to do nothing. They say, it doesn't matter what I do. It is what it is. Nothing's going to change. Then there are those that say, no, that's not going to happen. I choose to change. I choose to make a difference. I choose to be bold, and their choices give others the courage to make a change also. Remember this, ladies and gentlemen, it's never too late to have the life that you want and you deserve. If you have a life-altering event that you believe will inspire others, visit thevoiceamerica.com, send an email to the host, to me, and tell me about this event that so dramatically changed your life, how you addressed it, where you are now. We'll review it for content, and if it fits, we'll contact you about using it on a future broadcast. Let me share your story with the world. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to focus on how to find your voice by daring to be bold. All right, I want you to think back when you had a time when you wanted to speak up, but you didn't. Maybe you wanted to give an answer in school. Maybe it was an idea you had during a business meeting or or a social gathering with friends. Maybe you justified not speaking by thinking what you had to say, well, you know, it's really not that important. But what if it was something more serious? Maybe it was a time you saw someone being bullied or abused, or you saw a car accident on the side of the road. Or someone standing on a bridge contemplating suicide. Did you speak up? Unfortunately, most people don't. 
They assume someone else will take action or call the authorities. Or worse, if you do call the authorities, we sometimes believe they won't take us serious. And we think, maybe it's just none of my business. Let's get serious here. What fear or trauma or baggage from your past has stopped you from speaking up? Were you constantly criticized as a child at home or at school to the point where you just lost your confidence? Were you bullied or abused to where you just freeze when you see it happening to someone else? Are you afraid if you speak up, the abuser will turn on you? Or if you call the police, they'll arrive, but they won't believe you. Have these events from your past caused you to believe that you're not worthy? If so, you're not alone. When we fail to find our voice and to speak up to protect ourselves and others from oppression or bullies or abusers or from situations or circumstances that are just wrong, then we're condoning or validating that behavior. Once validated, these negative actions are going to continue and become more severe. We're seeing this now, all throughout the world. Dr. Martin Luther King said, the ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty of the bad people, but the silence over that by good people. Ladies and gentlemen, your voice matters. Your words matter. Your actions matter. And more importantly, you matter. If you can't find your voice, or if you're overcome by fear, be it real or imagined, then seek help. There are many people like my next guest, Claudia Vogus, who has lived with and has overcome the fear of finding her voice and helping others. She's created a movement called Dare to be Bold. Claudia, welcome to, all the way from Germany, welcome to Life Altering Events. Thank you for having me, Frank. <laughs> it's my pleasure. You're my pleasure. Claudia, growing up, you had told me you had trouble finding your voice. Uh, share with the listeners some of the events that led you to, to that point in your life. Well, when I think back, actually, what happened is I had a voice initially, and then it got crushed. <laughs> uh, but not really by other people, but by myself, because I let what others did to me affect me. So we always have a choice if we let other people's behavior affect us. Now, one of the first things that I remember is that when I was four years old, I was sexually abused by someone my parents trusted to take care of me instead of, well, doing what he did. And it kind of always was this dirty little secret that I didn't know if it really happened or not until when I was older, it got uh, confirmed, not only by the person that did it, but also by psychologists who I first went to to talk about it, to understand it, what happened. Because very often the subconscious mind kind of blocks some stuff out, so we don't know. And then the other thing that happened was um, my dad was a very loving guy. He was fighting for me. He, <laughs> uh, he was even fighting against kids if necessary, you know, like if, if someone, if he thought someone was mistreating me, he um, was yelling at them if necessary. Um, there's another story I'm going to tell you later. And, uh, one thing that he did though, that didn't really help the, the matter was when, uh, there was something that we disagreed on or something where I did something as a child where I didn't listen to him or so, uh, for one, he beat me 
And on the second, the second thing that he did was he didn't allow me to talk back, and that was the bigger damage. Obviously, being hit in the face probably didn't help the matter because then the fear of whenever I do speak back, I do get hit in the face, uh, didn't help. But um, the idea of me not being able to disagree with him, the man that I loved the most in my entire life, the man that I adored, the man that I saw <laughs> that he couldn't do anything wrong. It, I was wrong, by the way. <laughs> Later on, I found out more. But um, it, it just... It just stopped me from allowing myself to speak up. And then that was pretty much perpetuated by me being bullied in school from, I don't know, I think from kindergarten on even, all the way until 10th grade. Whenever I spoke up, there was someone who had something to say about it. Um, there was a time, for example, when I was um, down nearby where my house is, we have a little area, like a mini park where, and where the school kids used to play and do their running and all that stuff. And it's kind of like a mini stadium-ish, but it didn't look like it, you know. And so what happened was there was three boys from my school, uh, one of which went to my extra class. And they actually beat me up with branches and like the branches yeah. from the tree, you know. <laughs> they beat oh me my up. God. Yeah. And uh, I was so lucky. And I remember it was something because of something I said that they suddenly turned on me. And I don't know where this woman came from. I don't know who she is, but I... Thank the Lord for for that for him, for for him sending her, because all I heard suddenly was this stop, and I don't remember her coming close to us, but her yelling stop so loud. These guys got suddenly scared or something, and then they let me go, and I ran to her, and then I ran home, and that's when my dad actually uh, stepped up. Now I guess because we were living in the GDR, so on the east side behind the wall during that time. Um, I don't think there was much right that my parent, my my father could have done. Um, but what he ended up doing is he took my took me, like because you could see the streaks of the branches on my face and on my body. And uh, I remember he took me by the hands and went to the parents of each of those children, each of those boys, and said, "Look what your kid did to my kid." Um, but I think if someone would do this to my daughter, I would go to the police. <laughs> you know? Like nowadays, I think people probably would be more likely to go to the police than just to the parents because some of them really didn't care. Some did, but some didn't, you know. Um, so you see, my, my dad had different sides <laughs> to him. But overall, he was a good guy, at least in my opinion, you know. Wow, that's an amazing story. Now, Claudia, we have, we've had a, a number of women on in, on the show. Mm -hmm. This is our 49th episode, and the bulk of the guests have been women. Mm -hmm. And many of the women have said the culturization of young girls was, and maybe still is, be quiet, be polite, be agreeable, don't complain, keep the peace. Was this your experience, and do you think this helps, or, or this is one of the factors where young women are, are not speaking up? I think it's one of the factors. I think the personal experience always trumps the general message. But I have to say uh, that it is very easy to get manipulated by the messages that we see and that we don't even take in. So one of the things we need to do is really open our eyes and open our ears and make sure that we only let those things in that actually help us, that serve us, and not the things that um, tear us down or, or um, like a lot of women get sexualized but a lot of the messages that we see out there we don't really see it we see the sexual liberation but very often um, it, it actually can hinder us 
you know, from seeing, from meeting the guy that we actually are meant to meet, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things. And for me, it was the, the area where I meant, the reason why I'm mentioning this is uh, the area where I meant, felt this uh, effect of not being able to speak up the most was in my intimate relationships with men. And um, very often when they mistreated me, and I'm not saying that nobody ever hit me. I never let it get that far. Don't worry. But um, for me, when I say mistreat me, it's just not dis- they, they disrespected me by the way they treated me. They weren't committing as well. And I obviously didn't really help the situation because one of the things that I only realized shortly before I met my husband, and I, I learned this due to a conversation, a really tough and honest conversation with a man um, that I actually wasn't showing my real true self to them. I wasn't showing my real true self because I, was, I got hurt too much when I was a kid for being my true self. So, um, and this, this friend of mine, he really twisted the thing around and, and, and said, what if you actually would show the true you, the, the real feelings that you have, the real opinions that you have, the scary version of you, if you want to put it that way, you know, the, the, the version that we're afraid would scare someone away. And, uh, and funny enough, the next person that I actually did this with now is my husband. We have a wonderful life and we have a wonderful daughter. And I, I could never thought I would meet a man like this. You know, all the other men were nothing compared to him. <laughs> you know, That's no. outstanding. We had a guest on, Claudia, and she said, the first mm-hmm. thing you have to do before you're going to find any kind of inner peace is you have to reveal the truth or reveal your mm-hmm. past. Did you find that to be a big challenge? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, there was one story that I shared with my husband, pretty much in the very, like, he wasn't my husband then, obviously, but uh, pretty much in the very first time that we met and had a, like, a longer conversation, which kind of ended up being our first date, but we didn't call it that, if you get my drift. I understand. Um, uh, because we didn't, because he he's from Brazil. And I was living in London at the time. And I thought, he's going to go back. He's 24. I'm 20, uh, I'm 34, even though I felt like 27. But anyway. Um, and so I never even thought about going for him. Because he looked stunning. He looked like he looked like a model. And, um, and he was young. So I thought, you know, young men, they need to kind of run their horns off, as we say in German. And so I didn't really see anything happening. So I just was myself. I shared all the crazy stories, including one where I was at an event. And there was, um, it was an event where there was this experience where people were supposed to go on stage and perform a song. And it was just singing. It was enough to sing along with the song, but really to give you all. The point was to get over your fear of being in front of people and getting rid of all the judgments that there might be. And I saw that I used to be, I did this event about three times and always as a crew. And I saw different people. I saw how the Spaniards acted. I saw how the American, not the American, sorry, the um, the British acted. Um, and then I saw the Germans. And in this case, funny enough, I don't know why it was, but it was somehow none of them did the crazy stuff. When I say crazy stuff, really people started running around naked, but naked on stage, okay? This is really <laughs> oh crazy. God. And there was crazier stuff that I'm not going to mention, you know, but um, don't worry, it was not an orgy, it's just one person on stage. But um, what happened was, is that the Germans, I could see nobody was taking, like, like 
<laughs> well, pretty much t- nobody was taking their clothes off. And that that sometimes is, in this case, was ne- needed for s- people to literally let go of their fears. And so a friend of mine um, and I, we were talking that we would do something on stage. And in my case, I was just showing my boobs. And for me, I'm, I'm kind of a big-breasted woman, so it's not that big a deal. But I never took it off in front of, I don't know, 300 people, you know, um, let alone Germans, you know. The people that that uh, in, made my childhood really really difficult. So um, what we ended up doing was I did. He pretty much helped me to take off that shirt, and I helped him take his, his, his take off his shirt. And one thing that came from it was that one lady. Um, she she's Asian, and she was married to a Swiss guy who was also in the group. And because we did this, we helped her actually do the same. And for her. It meant absolute freedom because she was th- she was sharing afterwards that she was thinking about um, having to she wanted to get her breasts augmented or um, um, enlarged. I can't remember anymore how to say that, but um, I think you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that she f- that she did this, she felt felt free of that need. She felt accepted. She saw the people cheering on for her. It wasn't about her breasts. It wasn't about how she portrayed herself. It was the confidence she chose to choose if that makes any sense. Yes. Um, and that's one of the stories that I shared with him, and it actually impressed him rather than scare him off. You know? mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so it's like, um, if my experience is if we actually dare to show our true face, our true self, and the scary stuff that we're afraid to share, most of the time people tend to admire that because they see something in you that they might be afraid of doing. Exactly. There's so many people that are sitting on the sidelines and saying, well, I don't want to be first. I don't want to be the one to start the conversation. I don't want to be the first one to get on the stage. I don't want to be the first one to get on the dance floor. Mm -hmm. But when somebody else does and has that courage, it breaks down those barriers. Exactly. That's wonderful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break right here because we want to, I'm going to start into another area with Claudia, and I don't want to have to stop for the break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll continue with this conversation. Don't go away. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at LifeAlteringEventsRadio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. 
Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, this episode today is brought to you by the Tag Team. The Tag Team is a collaboration with the Abraham Group, which is headed by the the probably the best marketing mind in the world, Jay Abraham. And he's increased the bottom line of over 10,000 customers by an excess of $21 billion. And then my company, Life Altering Event, we're experts in business and organizational development, as well as financing and scaling organizations. Now, the members of the tag team, we've all reached a point in our life where we want to see the next generation of businesses thrive. So this is an elite and exclusive program for entrepreneurs who are looking to make an impact in the world. If you want more information, go to my website, franksakari.com. You will see information about the program, and you can download the first part of the application. Look forward to hearing from you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, today's show is we have our guest is Claudia Vogus, and she has started a program in Germany called Dare to be Bold. And in the first segment, she was talking about her life growing up and some of the challenges and traumas that she had faced that had a negative impact as she was growing up and as she was trying to find her own way, looking to be able to reach out and reveal her inner truth so that she could alleviate this fear she had growing up. Now, Claudia, you were born in Germany, is that right? Yes. And then you born moved- and bred. <laughs> You've been moved multiple times to multiple places. Mm-hmm. Now, in my life, my two daughters and I moved multiple times, and they were always complaining that I'm always the new kid, Dad. It's always a challenge. I, I don't have any roots. Did you see that in your life, and how did you address it? The thing is, I love being the new kid, ironically, <laughs> um, because it, for me, I think all the things that happened in my childhood, I, don't get me wrong, I did have good friends. Um, but all the negative, when I think back up to school, I'm finally only remembering the bad stuff. <laughs> so um, I think all of those things, all of the associations that I had to, and now I'm living in the same city again, by the way. Uh, so it's kind of <laughs> got away now. Um, but all those bad associations that I had with my city, I just wanted to get out. So at first I switched schools, like I was done with my school. In Germany, we have like a different school system than in the States where you have the option of ending after ninth grade with a minimum of degree. Then you can go to the 10th grade and I finished the 10th grade and then I added three more years to do the gymnasium, as we say, to get the Abitur, which is the, the entry to university pretty much. And 
when in that one I switched schools, and as soon as it was there, it, w- it got already better. Okay, it got already better. No more bullying, and it was it's like new people, so it was always good. And I never really had much problem finding friends because I don't know. I'm an inquisitive person, so I just like to know about people and get to know people, um, and especially different cultures. And that's one thing that uh, when I got, came to university, which I did still in the states, uh, still in Germany. Sorry. Um, I hung out mostly with the international students, mostly with Americans. And then um, within that studying, I came to the U.S. for a year and I loved it. I studied for, for about four months, three, three to four months, one semester in Utah, in Ogden. Yay, Weber State University. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> I'm bleeding purple still. And um, then I went to, the, uh, went to L.A. and I loved L.A. Uh, and then I just kept on finish, go back to finish my studies, and I just kept on coming back. And I just um, loved uh, connecting with people. And then um, I uh, went back to Germany, and then I went to uh, Prague, lived in Prague for three years. And I always had people that I connect with. First, within the company that I was working with, I used to work for Oracle and then VMware in Ireland. And so I had my first connections within the com- uh, within the company, and then later on, just automatically. So it was, that one was never an issue. So I always loved getting to know people. I loved hearing their stories. Maybe that's, that's why I'm here as well. <laughs> well, good. We're glad you're here. Now, Claudia, when we spoke a month or so ago, you told me you had an experience as an adult Mm-hmm. That was life altering. And you said you witnessed someone being abused. Mm-hmm. What happened? Tell our people the impact that had on you. Yeah, so the the the, the main thing is that um, that event shook me. Um, but the impact only hit me later when I actually had a child of my own. Um, so what happened was I was in the States at the time um, for about six, no, three months, three months. And um and I was just walking along, and I saw um, that was in uh, Downey, I think, Downey, California. And I saw a man and a woman at a bus stop. And the man suddenly hit the woman. And I was just like, whoa, I need to go there and tell him to stop, you know. But then something inside of me said, wait, he's way stronger than you, and you couldn't even defend yourself. What tells you to that you can fence, defend someone else? And then I was looking around, and I was just me and one guy on the, across the street, and I was so hoping that he would do something, but he didn't do anything either. And then I thought, okay, well, if I call him, because I was literally like, I don't know how many, I can't even say how, many, how much distance is, maybe 200 meters, 300 meters, I don't know how many yards it is, to be honest, mm-hmm, but okay. um, not too far away, but still, if I would talk, um, he might hear me, you know. Um, and so, uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to go over this long bridge. It's really a long bridge. Like one of those bridges that go over like a river that you have in California over there. And, uh, so I started walking and I thought, okay, he could still hear me if I called the police, which is what I was planning on doing. I was calling, planning on calling 911. But then I thought if he could hear me, then he was going to come after me. So I'm going to wait until I'm further away. And then by the time I was further away, where he definitely wouldn't hear me anymore, then the other question came up. I'm here as a visitor. If I call the cops and suddenly these guys go onto the bus and suddenly drive off, then the cops think I just did a prank call. And for a prank call, they're probably going to kick me out of the country. Uh, so, um, out of honestly selfishness in this case and um, fear, 
and just literally, as you noticed, I literally walked you through what I was thinking. So overanalyzing and overthinking it in the moment, I talked myself out of helping this lady. And I pray to God that he somehow helped her because I ended up not doing it. But uh, one of the things that did happen is that um, about f a few months ago, I saw an accident on my way to work. Now, there was uh, a, a bicycle driver, sorry, uh, what do you call it, a motorcycle driver, and about one or two cars. And then there was another car right in front of me that drove in there, so um, to, I'm guessing to help. And then, but something told me, Claudia, call. You're not going to do the same thing as you did to the woman in LA. You're going to call. Because what I did in the meantime was I went to the German police and asked them. I was telling them the situation, what I should have done. And he said, as long as I would have stayed nearby and explained the situation, it would have been okay. You know, I could have described the people. I could have freaking taken a picture of them so they could have had a picture of seeing what happened, you know. Um, but all of these things didn't come to my mind in the moment. So, but what I ended up doing was in Germany, I ended up calling the cops. I called in Germany is one, one, two. And I called the cops and I was explaining first. They thought, Hmm, mm -hmm, sounds weird. You keep on driving, but there was too many cars anyway already. So, and I thought someone should have told them already, right? There's an accident. Too many people are standing around cars, standing around. Seems like they have the, the, the guy gets helped. And nothing. And then pretty much I hung up because I decided, uh, right, I actually didn't hung up. They hung up. And then later they called me back because they couldn't find them. It's pretty much the exact scenario that I was afraid of in L.A., right? So um, then I explained them exactly where it was. And then they found them. And I remember the guy didn't hung up. So pretty much all I heard him say is, why didn't you call us? <laughs> you know? So uh, and then later on, they actually called me back again and told me, Thank you that you called us. I actually, I didn't expect that would happen, but they actually thanked me to call, that I called them because something weird was going on. The, they hid the bicycle and put the injured person in a car. That sounded pretty shady yeah, <laughs> from what he told me. Yeah, yeah it does. So, uh, and I had this inter ins inside voice, no matter what happens, no matter what consequences are going to come to you, you're going to call and you're going to make like the people that actually know this situation, what to do in this situation, you're going to send those people because in Germany, it is actually law for you to help. And if you don't help, you actually are liable for what happens to the person. Um, and I know in the U.S. you don't have that, but in the States, uh, sorry, in Germany, you do. Well, that's, that's interesting. Mm, and I'm maybe, glad we should, maybe we should have that here. Yeah. And more people will get involved. Yeah. Claudia, when we spoke, you'd mentioned that you really began to find your voice when you were advising businesses about emotional freedom. You said it was around 2010. Okay. Yeah. What life-altering event gave you the courage to do that, to start doing that? Well, let's see. In 2007 until about 2009, I burned out, and then I decided. Uh, well, I found I found uh, different emotional freedom techniques. At that time, it was the emotional freedom technique. You can find it online. A lot of free material out there, and uh, I used that, and I got rid of my burnout within 15 minutes, pretty much. Uh, and then 
Um, I kept on using it, but more sporadically. And then in 2010, I decided, you know what, I'm going to help someone. I help, I'm going to help these people. And it kind of happened after I had uh, helped my friend who actually was left by her husband in a pretty mean way. And I kept on cheering her up and, and, and helping her and changing her mindset and things like that, using all the techniques that I learned in the personal development industry at the time. Um, so that made me even want to go and become a coach. And then I just kept on using the techniques, learned more techniques and helped more people. And for example, I helped uh, someone who was, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, US, he was in the US Army and he actually got a Purple Heart um, because he was the only one in his platoon to actually survive. And he had tremendous survivor's guilt. And I, one thing that I did with him, I worked with him for one hour and the entire guilt was gone. And then um, I also worked with uh, business owners and salespeople. And I remember one lady, a very, very sweet woman, uh, Latina, and uh, I was working with her. And she, um, what, as, as we were working, I had to be tough with her sometimes. But very like I, I, with her, I learned actually how to be kind. Because as, as a coach, you need to be kind, but you need to be tough as well. <laughs> you know, Otherwise, um, you can't open someone's eyes sometimes, you know. And so, and she loved it when I did that with her. And one of the things that we realized is that as a child, coming back to that, she misinterpreted some of the actions of her mom as something that it means something bad to her uh, about her. And we, I helped her let go of those emotions, let go of those associations. And so she had a lot better relationships, relationship with her mom later as well. And uh, it, it didn't affect her in, in her work anymore, for example. And that's one thing that I noticed as well. Like uh, when we don't allow ourselves to show our true self, then we are not able to actually demand, the, for example, the salary that we want. A lot of, it's proven that a lot of women don't even ask for the kind of salary raise that men do. And that's one of the reasons probably why a lot of women don't get paid as much. So... You know, <laughs> there's there's a tremendous amount of uh, press on that very point because mm. we've had so many women on the show, uh, particularly this year, uh, that it's that finding that voice. It's knowing your worth. It's going out and saying, mm. I'm worth this much and believing that you're worth that much. Yeah. And funny enough, uh, when you actually um, watch the dog whisper, one of the things that I did, for, I wanted to do that for my dog because a German dog trainer once said, uh, the dog needs structure. He needs boundaries to be a happy dog. And it's the same for me. I need structure in order to know what framework I need to work in. And I think every person needs that. And that the, those structures, those boundaries are also your boundaries, are the boundaries that we're not sharing with other people. I'm just saying. <laughs> Got it. Um, and uh, what I was trying to point out is actually uh, one of the things that I did was I was watching the dog whisper. He's an amazing, amazing teacher. And he, the way he, he talks about body language, he talks about you need to be assertive and calm with a dog. And I think it's the same as true <laughs> with humans if you don't want them to attack you, you know. Um, so uh, one, my, one of the recommendations is actually go and watch the dog whisper and just watch how he moves, how he speaks, watch the tone of voice. There is no doubt in his mind that the dog is going to do what he says he's going to do. You know, uh, so and that's one of the things that I also learned on. It was one of the things that I w learned on my way. And I, it's, dogs are wonderful to practice this with, <laughs> to be honest. Now, you had mentioned when we spoke, you you, had, mm -hmm. you talked and you've said it many times here already, emotional freedom. What yes. is this and how does it work? Whew, what a question. Um, 
<laughs> well, pretty much emotional freedom for me is that uh, you, you're not being locked down by doubts, by fears, by worries, by traumatic experiences. That for me, for me is emotional freedom. And um, pretty much there's a lot of different techniques. And one of the techniques is emotional freedom technique where other people might know it as tapping as well. Um, there are also, uh, is a great technique called Ho'oponopono from Hawaii. Might be a little bit hard to write <laughs> as, mm-hmm. as you hear me, but, uh, just look for Dr. Hu Len, H-E-W, and then the second word is L-E-N. And he's an amazing person who ch- changed an entire ward of criminally insane people and helped them to take responsibility for their actions. And he didn't speak to one of them. That's the only, only thing I'm going to throw out there. But uh, the thing is, it helps. Like I, help, I used that technique also to work on myself, but I noticed every person that I did this around was also helped and was calmer and more peaceful. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and one story that I just remembered. Um, shortly before I met my husband, uh, I, think there were, I'm kind of, kind of, I think there was even before this conversation that I had with my friend, I actually did something called an emotional dump. (laughs) Um, And what I mean by this is for an entire weekend, during that time, I was pretty much, uh, I had a lot of thoughts running around in my mind and I couldn't think straight and couldn't focus on business. So I decided I'm going to sit down and use my techniques. I made an Excel file, wrote down each and every thought that was running through my mind that was tearing me down from they think that I stink or whatever. I don't can't remember anymore what I wrote, but something like I remember writing what other, I thought other people thought of me. I remember writing what I thought of me. I remember any identity statement that starts with I am that is not supporting me, I wrote down, and the intensity from zero to 10. And I started clearing this out. And I remember the final moment, the final thing that I cleared out, I was suddenly so free. It felt like a weight, like a boulder was lift, like lifted off of me and I suddenly could see straight. I suddenly um, was able to uh, think clearly. And one, because the thing is, this particular emotional dump, emo dump as I call it, um, was directly targeted towards intimate relationships and me not being able to speak up in, in them and me having all this resentment, all that stuff. I wrote it down, not in a journal format, but in a list and preferably short sentences. And I just cleared it out one after the other, after the other, after the other. And it took me three days to get rid of the emotional baggage of an entire lifetime, pretty much. Uh, How did you clear area. it out, Claudia? How did you clear these things out? You wrote them down, you looked at them, then what? Mm-hmm. Well, I used three different techniques because honestly, sometimes I get bored by one. <laughs> uh, so one was Ho'oponopono, which is pretty much, I was looking at the statement. Let's say the statement is, I uh, give me a statement. I am... I don't know. Um, I am undesirable, maybe? I don't know. Let's use that. That's good. I am undesirable. I am undesirable. Then we have this, uh, this, then we check the intensity, zero to 10. And we, here you need to trust your intuition. Whatever number comes first, that is probably, let's say, an eight. And then what you, what, with Ho'oponopono, all you need to do is you look at the statement and you look at the words and you check each intensity of each word. That's what I ended up doing. And let's say it wasn't the I am that was the problem, but it was the undesirable was the problem. So, and then there suddenly there was the number popping up. And then all you do, you look at the, kind of staring at the word and you're repeating, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm and you kind of repeat it like a robot over and over. It's good if you feel it as well. And uh, as you notice, the intensity is going to go down. Now, there's other techniques where you literally just breathe out the statement. Really, you just imagine you 
with every breath out, you you kick it out of your system. You know, that's another technique. Another technique is EFT, where you kind of tap along. This is a little bit more difficult to explain on, a, on audio. Uh, it's better to see. But if you look for EFT or mofree.com is the uh, creator's website for it, uh, you can find a lot of information on that. And there's other techniques as well, but these were the three that I used back then. And it, it, it was really freeing. And then suddenly, because at the time I was actually buying and uh, listening to a lot of trainings, also from Matthew Hussey and other trainings where women can find Mr. Right, you know, <laughs> I'm in my chuckle now. Um, and what happened was is, before it was intellectual. As soon as I got rid of all of this debris in the river that was my life, as you can say, um, as, so as soon as I got rid of that, suddenly the stuff clicked and it made sense. And it wasn't an act when I was with men, but it was actually easy to just put these tips into action that he was, that Masihasi was saying, for example. And it was, it, it was just suddenly it became natural. It wasn't the, the thought pattern anymore. Okay, hold that thought, Claudia. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to continue with that, ladies and gentlemen, and then we're going to get into her Dare to be Bold movement. Do not go away. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Life Altering Events with Frank Sakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or you can send an email to Life Altering Events Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Frank Sicari. We're listening to Claudia Volgas, and she has had just a phenomenal conversation about her life, finding her voice, daring to be bold, how she has helped others along this path. I want to thank my sponsor for this episode, the Tag Team, which is a collaboration between Jay Abraham and Life Altering Events, which is my company, to help the next generation of businesses thrive. Well, back to Claudia here. Claudia, just before the break, we talked about emotional freedom and mm-hmm. steps you did for yourself personally. Yeah. Now, you've taken that from, from you as an individual and are now doing it with others, bringing yes. a term that I've heard you say, uh, moral courage. Explain mm-hmm. that. Yeah, moral courage pretty much is, uh, well, there's three different levels of that you could see. For one is actually stepping up and helping someone else when you see them in need. It doesn't matter if it's an accident on a road. It doesn't matter if it's someone being beaten up um, or someone being bullied, you know, uh, or a little bit of easier and probably more common um, day-to-day thing if you hear someone doing a racist remark where you just say, don't do this in my, in my uh, presence. I don't want to hear this kind of stuff. You know, Even something simple as that can make a difference. And if worse comes to worse, you can pull the person to the side and say there. You know, If you feel a little bit more uncomfortable, you can ask them, you can challenge them. The idea is not necessarily to punch someone back or punch them in the face, but just literally to make them think about what they're doing because very often they don't really think straight. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, And so pretty much with more courage, the second one is where you stand up for what you believe in. And a lot of times, for example, just just an example, I'm a Christian, and um, you might have, I think everybody in the States heard about the Columbine shooting, and think about Rachel Joy Scott. She, in the face of someone putting a gun to her face, literally stood by what she believed, which was Jesus Christ. And this is the kind of moral courage, you know, that we all need to be able to um, stand by. And very often people shy away because either they don't believe that clearly, they don't believe that strongly, um, or they just don't believe anything, you know, or it's just not important to them. Um, Now, the third one is being able to speak up for yourself. You know, Um, it's kind of like the oxygen mask. You know, you also need to be able to to speak up for yourself and help yourself. Um, And in my case, um, what I saw is that when I don't speak up for myself or I'm afraid to not be able to speak for, for myself, I can hurt others. And that's how I found out when I was pregnant with my daughter, Jade, in 2015, I did a little exercise where the question was, what is your biggest regret? What is the big, your regret story? And for me, the first thing that came up was not being able to go swimming with my dad. He always wanted wanted to go swimming. He was elderly. Like, my dad was 53 when they had me, to give you an idea. My mom was 40. And uh, so he was already elderly, which is one of the reasons uh, why I also got bullied. And I was afraid that if we go to the public swimming pool and I would be swimming with him, that people would make fun of us. And that's why I didn't go swimming. And then I remember the moment I found out he, he died in 2004, that was the first thought. Oh, my God, I can't be swimming with him anymore. I can't do this anymore. I totally forgot for years, you know, but that's when it was over. I couldn't do it. It was, it was a regret. And that's when I started seeing me not being able to speak up for myself, me not working on this. I hurt other people. Just re- remember the woman that I didn't speak up for, not even calling 911 because I talked myself out of it. And then there was other, other people, like a, like a girl in, on the school bus, where I thought they were making fun of me, even though nobody knew me there. But I was too scared to speak up for her, you know. So 
pretty much with more courage, you speak up when you, when you have this inner, inner conviction that you, there's something wrong, you know. And so, um, yeah, so my daughter pretty much helped me turn things around and start really taking this serious because I wasn't even able to speak up for her when I was pregnant and someone was smoking near me. Uh, it took me three try three times from them for them to go from one smoky bar in Prague to another to another, where I said I've had enough. I was doing everything I could to protect me, to protect myself, you know, by putting like a wet cloth over my face and stuff like that. But I didn't dare ruin the harmony. I put someone else's comfort over my daughter's health in that moment, and that was my that was a last straw. And um, Throughout, through my daughter, um, as she was growing older, because she was actually born prematurely, 12 weeks, she came too early. She wasn't breathing. She had to be resuscitated. Thank God she actually thrives now. Um, I actually found my artistic talent. I am drawing, I'm painting, I'm doing poetry, and um, also um, inspirational speaking. And like, for example, my first poem is Your Voice Matters. <laughs> and that one actually also brought me to Christ, <laughs> you know. So um, it's kind of funny how all of this kind of interconnects in my life, you know. When we spoke uh, a little while back, uh, Claudia, you mentioned two things that I wrote down that, that really stick with me. You have to have a mindset adjustment and boundary setting. Elaborate mm-hmm. on that. Well, um, that's pretty much where you start looking at who am I? I think it's all coming down to your identity. Who am I? What do I stand for? And what, if necessary, what am I willing to die for? If I take Rachel Joy Scott now as an example, what am I willing to stand up for no matter what? And we need to be very clear. And, um, I think that's one of the key things, getting clear on who you are, what you stand for, and then Stand for is pretty much also the boundaries. We need to know what, where does, where does their liberty end and our boundary starts? For example, t- let's talk Corona for a moment. Good. <laughs> uh, it's not like anybody else does, <laughs> but um, no, um, pretty much here in Greiz, my city is one of the hotspots in Germany. Nobody knew about my city before. Now they know because it is a hotspot. It's the hotspot for a moment. And um, when you look around, nobody's wearing the mask correctly. Either they don't wear it at all, they wear it down here in the, in the throat because that's where their eyes are, right? Anyway, and um, they, some, a lot of people just put the mask under the nose. It's called nose and mouth protection for a reason. People very often don't take it serious what they're hearing. And so that's why here in Greiz, it's going up like crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and for me, when I'm around someone, when I have to talk to someone, I make it a point, I make it a challenge for myself, actually, uh, how many people can I tell to put up their mask in the meantime. I make it, turn it into a little game for myself to kind of practice speaking up and asking them to respect my boundary, you know. Uh, things like this, something as simple as that. Wow. You should come over here and do that. We seem to have an issue in the United States <laughs> with a number so. of people not doing that. One statement I've heard you say repeatedly in the past, uh, Claudia, is you cannot undo the path, past, but don't let it become a lifetime burden. Now you're counseling people. How are you counseling them? Well, for one, um, I uh, 
work um, first I understand their their situation I understand where they're coming from what's what happened to them and um, I coach them one on one I coach them in groups and um, also sometimes just in discussions on my social media and social media groups I start uh, a discussion and see what people stand for and what 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 are their boundaries what are their their beliefs and I work with them I ask them questions and it's just they open their eyes to it or they don't depending on what they want you know and when it comes to something like um, what do you call it uh, something like moral courage also known as social courage or civil courage um, one of the things that I do is I do silent art activism so I put poems and art uh, on little mini banners and I post them uh, in different places or I, uh, so I'm also supporting the German police initiative called Do Something. It's actually two of us in German. And um, sharing fly their leaflets where it literally says the steps you need to do in order to um, speak up and, and um, show your moral courage in actual violent situations. Um, I also work, for example, uh, one of the things that I'm doing is also interviewing morally courageous people so they can share their stories and other people can learn from them. And um, one of the other things that is really dear to my heart is um, really the, the, the art. Because very often people are not willing to hear, but they're willing to see. And art and powerful questions um, are uh, coming into their mind and coming to the heart. And they might not say it, they might not see it, but they're still thinking about it later. You know, and so, for example, uh, helping people release the, the, the limits of the past uh, with emotional freedom programs, uh, helping them set boundaries, helping them be the pack leader that Cesar Milan is teaching, um, helping them develop easy questioning uh, assertiveness, as I like to call it, that I learned from Sandler Sales. It's an amazing program for salespeople, but they also teach about how to be assertive in a way that is not threatening. Um, and then... Um, yeah, and I also offer scholarships pretty much for those people that if there's, this, for example, an entrepreneur and he's a social or he or she is a social entrepreneur and they want to also support the moral courage uh, working with their organization against violence or sex trafficking, you name it, then I also offer scholarships for people like that to uh, for my coaching programs. Wow, that is, that is so impressive. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're just about out of time. I want to thank my guest, Claudia Vogus, for sharing this incredibly inspirational pro life story that she has and the programs that she's put in place. Claudia, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what happens, no matter what life throws at you, please do three things, as Claudia has said. Look up, get up, never, ever give up. Pick up the pieces and keep moving forward and better times and better people will come into your life. One more time, I want to thank my sponsor, the tag team which is a collaboration between Jay Abraham and my company to help the next generation of businesses thrive. If you missed any of this show or any of our other shows, you can listen to them on demand at any number of places, including Google and iHeartRadio and now Alexa, or at my website, frankzakari.com. If you'd like more information about Claudia, drop me a note. I'll make sure it gets to her. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me leave you with this. None of us are in this alone. The secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And today, Claudia showed you where many of those rocks are. Join me again next week and we'll discuss another life-altering event. Thank you for tuning in to Life-Altering Events. 
Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Kind.